Hola, welcome to season three of More Than Rice and Beans, the mother-son podcast where we introduce you to our favorite Latinx creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. I'm Miguel, a mechanical engineer PhD student at Johns Hopkins University, funded by a NASA fellowship. And I'm his mom, Tanya. I'm a chef, educator, and proud New Yorican. This season on More Than Rice and Beans, we've got, well, a lot more for you. More amazing guests, more ridiculous sidebar conversations, and more meaningful discussions on what it's like to navigate this world as a Latinx person. We're so excited you're joining us for this incredible season, along with our all-star lineup of guests. Get ready, because this time, it's way more than rice and beans. Welcome to More Than Rice and Beans, your favorite mother-son podcast. I'm Miguel. And I'm Tanya, and I'm still in shock about today's guest. Miguel, can you do the honors? Yeah, so our guest today is the extraordinary Latin jazz percussionist, Tito Puente Jr. Of course, Tito is the son of the legendary musician, songwriter, and band leader, Tito Puente, who introduced Latin and Afro-Cuban jazz and mambo to the American mainstream. Tito Puente Jr. is an impressive musician in his own right, with a Billboard Music Award, performances at venues like the Apollo, television appearances, and hundreds of sold-out performances everywhere from symphony halls to street festivals. And we are beyond thrilled to welcome Tito Puente Jr. to the show. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias por invitarme. Tanya y Miguel, buenos días. Thank you guys very much for inviting me. What is this? Rice and beans. Wow. And a Sunday morning. I love it. <laughs> okay. I'm a little starstruck. So I feel like we need to get the first question out of the way because I'm sure you're always accessed. Your father, Tito Puente, helped bring Latin music to the mainstream and was one of the most popular and influential jazz musicians of the 1950s. What was it like growing up in a family where your father was basically musical royalty? Well, a very broad question because my father, to me, was uh, an extraordinary musician and a genius when it came to arranging and compositions and his accolades. I can go on and on about that. Um, just his career, his 50-year career, 186 albums to his credit, wow. the Grammy, seven Grammy Awards, 14 nominations. He was just, um, uh, just a force to be reckoned with, just an amazing percussion player. Not only that, he played 13 different instruments. Growing up with Tito Puente, he was just dear old dad to me. Very, very sociable person. He loved life. He had a zest for it. Walked into a room, lit up. Everybody enjoyed his company. Uh, he was just, uh, he's sorely missed. I, I miss him every day. I have his personality traits simply because being around him for all my practically young life, um, all the way into my 30s, it was incredible being around a man that just uh, not only was brilliant in his musicianship, but his just talent and just persona. His persona was absolutely something that that people always remember, those who were close to him especially. So growing up with Tito Puente was very special for me. Um, maybe one day I'll write a book and write the, the history. And um, on that note, I just wanted to just share with you guys that we are doing a documentary series on the life story of my father. So you guys are going to see some of that upbringing um, where I was you know, uh, working, well, not working, but just being with my father in the aspect of a family man. So you'll see him in Christmas time, Thanksgiving, him cracking jokes on me, me cracking jokes on him. Uh, oh, cool. 
yeah, just him being in a normal setting of family and uh, and being around friends. And you guys are going to see that part. A lot of people know Tito Puente as being that icon, legendary figure where you see him on television or on on the internet, where he plays absolutely phenomenal. And you know, uh, I don't think we'll ever see another. <laughs> Uh, percussion player with his speed, agility, talent, and of course, charisma in our lifetimes. So uh, I wanted to show the other side of him, which is the human side, uh, the Hispanic side, the Puerto Rican side of Tito Puente, him having a drink and eating Spanish food and, and just enjoying life. So you'll see that in the documentary series, which should be out by the end of this year. So we're very excited about that. Okay, people, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about first, but we definitely heard of you. <laughs> did you know when you were when you were younger, did you have an understanding that your dad was that big of a deal? Miguel, I'll go as far as saying this. Uh, growing up around Tito Puente, I did not like Mambo music. You can oh. you know that I didn't care for it. I'm I'm into sacrilegious. <laughs> Oh, isn't that? I, I was into rock music and into pop music. And of course, you know, the Phil Collins, the Michael Jackson's, the Bon Jovi, the Metallica, the, the heavy stuff. I, I was just uh, my my iPod at that time. Well, back then I had cassettes. So my cassettes and my vinyls were much different uh, eclectic taste in music. I did not care for Latin music. But when I started traveling with Tito Puente and started traveling with my dad, I, I started feeling that clave rhythm, the 3-2 clave of the Afro-Cuban rhythms of 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 uh, Latin music, of salsa, of mambo, of cha-cha-cha, rumba, guanguanco. Those rhythms started to resonate within my heart and my and my soul. And, and started I started playing that a lot more. Originally, I played the trap kit, which is the considered a standard drum set, which is the kick drum, snare drum, cymbals. You can see that in most uh, average rock bands. So I still consider myself a drummer and then slash percussion player. Um, but it, it was really the, the pinnacle point or the, the I guess the move the movement point of when I realized who Tito Puente was was a Menudo concert. I went to a concert. There's a there was a very popular boy band called Menudo back in the eighties, and I went to Madison Square Garden with my sister Audrey, who was a very avid fan of Menudo at the time. I actually wanted to be a Menudo simply because they got all the girls, <laughs> <laughs> and we went to the concert. And it was we were in the front row. My father got tickets for the front row. And at that time, Tito Puente was a superstar, international superstar in the 80s, of course, throughout his whole career. But in the 80s, Tito Puente really popularized Latin jazz music. Um, so we went to the concert and Menudo stopped and then, like at the end of one of their songs, screaming girls, 18,000 of them. And they said, Con ustedes, aquí estamos Tito Puente. And that, which means everybody here, this is Tito Puente in the front row. And the lights went on us, me and my sister and my dad and my mother. <laughs> Everybody started chanting, Tito, Tito. I think I must have been maybe eight or nine. I'll say maybe even 10 years old. And at that time, I said, couldn't believe it. Tito Puente is that big of a superstar celebrity. Stop the Menudo concert. And everybody kind of focused in on Tito Puente. And uh, even Menudo were bowing down to Tito Puente. And it was just so weird. Awkward, awkward for me. And then that's, I think that was really the point where I realized my father was a superstar and an international, uh, international celebrity at that moment. And then from there, just, um, traveling with him and going to different countries, speaking different languages. People didn't even know the language of Spanish or English, the far East, the Orient, they were chanting his name and, and, uh, dancing to his music. And that's why I really encompassed the magnitude of Tito Puente's celebrity.
Yeah, the, I mean, that must have been a huge wake up call in that concert. That's crazy. It was. It, I was. My my mouth is still. I'm still scratching my head, and I'll probably put that in my book and in the documentary series, and uh, just something really, really to be reckoned with. Because at that time, Menudo was extremely popular. Um, they were just avid fans and rabid, rabid fans all over New York City at that time. And that was really when Hispanics and young Hispanic, especially Hispanic girls, had something really to look at and be proud of and say, wow, we have our own boy band and our own boy group. Because you know, as Americans, we always look at the Beatles as our, as the, as the boy band of, of, uh, of t- since the beginning of history, of music history. But uh, Menudo was really the, the transitioning point for Hispanics to be proud of a, of a group. And, uh, you know, even though they sang, I guess, kind of corny, cheesy songs, but they're, they're so historical in, in nature with love and admiration and how we grew up at that, at that time in the 80s. And it was great that they recognized Tito Puente, who's their elder. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, true. And so you mentioned traveling with your dad. Did he take you like just on his tours and stuff? Did he take the whole family or was it just you? Uh, Okay. So the way it worked out, we went when we were very young at that time, when we were nine, 10 years old. Of course, when I was younger, we grew up in New York City. We lived in on the east side of Manhattan. I'm pardon me, the west side of Manhattan. We moved from the east side and then uh, we moved up to upstate New York. And as my father's popularity grew, we wanted to have a home at that time simply because we were very, very young, uh, two, three years old. We moved to Puerto Rico for, uh, I think, about a year. Uh, it's really hard to recollect since I was about five years old. But then after that, we moved back to New York. Born and raised, loved Manhattan, loved New York City, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, all five boroughs. And that's uh, where Tito Puente really started his whole career, born, being born and raised in Spanish Harlem. Um, as we, as I grew uh, into my young years, uh, my mother wanted to travel with my father on certain trips, uh, whether we you know, internationally or domestically. And we loved going with him. Of course, we fell asleep backstage. Tito Puente would be performing in a stadium with, you know, 50,000 people. And my sister and I would fall asleep backstage, didn't care for the music, didn't really understand what who he was or what we were doing. Yeah. And um, since he did over 300 shows a year at that time, my father was working extremely hard doing two to three albums a year. So he was so in demand at that time. I don't think any other Latin artist at that time was working as much as him. Uh, And so my mother said simply because he wasn't home that much, why don't you go on the road with him? And that's when I was in my teenage years, I would say I was about maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. And that's when I started traveling with him and, and understanding his, the magnitude of, of course, his celebrity and, and in learning about the historical roots of Afro-Cuban music and conga, timbal, bongo, all those great sounds that exude from the Puente Orchestra. And it was really, really special for me at that time because that's when I started feeling, I guess we could say, embracing my Hispanic uh, roots and my Hispanic self being born and raised in New York city, we became very Americanized with American music and American things and television programs. And uh, God, at that time we were, you know, we were watching um, just American, American programming and we were programmed to be Americans and speak English and being around Tito Puente. He was that crossover uh, person that we all looked up to him and Celia Cruz, that Hispanics we were so proud of, or, or is the word. And we wanted to 
really spend more time with him and learn more about our roots. And at that time, I started traveling with him around the world. And in terms of um, Tito Puente getting into the Latin jazz genre, did, is that, did he always want to be that bridge? Or literally bridge, Puente is his last name, <laughs> your last name. But did he want to be that, always want to be that bridge between um, the, the diaspora and like Americans in general and, and Latin roots? Or is that just something that came about? I can quote my father, which he used to, he disliked the word crossover. At best, that was the word at the time, and they still kind of use it. Um, crossover to both genres of music, which is bombo and salsa, and of course, jazz. And, and then, of course, being popular in the American world. Um, and with the fabric of America changing at that time in the 1970s and 80s with Fania All-Stars, of course, Celia Cruz, and, and all the great artists that came from that era, um, he... He didn't like the word crossover. He said, crossover, I'm on my way back. Doing <laughs> <laughs> it back in 1950. He's been playing this music for, wow, 50 plus years. And now I continue that. So this music is going into its centennial um, very, very soon. We're almost at 80 years old since my father's career started. And his music still resonates with so many millions of fans and still sounds fresh sounds brand new. Listen to any Tito Puente song. You're like, wow, I can still dance to it. You can clean your house with it. Uh, (laughs) My mom has done that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You got to clean to Tito Puente music. And it's just, um, it's played at all parties. And the music of course is just, it's timeless, timeless stuff. Yeah. So as some of the people in, uh, who listen to this podcast know, and as Tito Puente Jr. will soon find out, music is, is something that's also very near and dear to me. I went to a performing arts high school. I was a percussionist, um, and I played the, the timbales in the, in the Latin jazz band that we had just started in, in my school at the time. Um, and my the band leader... Um, there would always call me Tito Puente because that's like the only like timbale player that he knew at the time. And I was, and I was like the premier timbale player. Um, and so coming out of a uh, performing arts high school and I went to a pre-college program for music and everything. Uh, I was planning on making music my profession for a long time. Um, eventually I decided to switch out of that and I went into aerospace engineering instead, which is very different. Um, but I wanted to know, um, from your perspective, the, the, was music always something that you wanted to do or was there something that you wanted to do first? Was it pushed on you by the family at all? Miguel, I got to first give you kudos for, for, for being that inspiration to others simply because you went from one genre of life to another, but you are inspiration because you still love music. And I know that you do because I hear it. Uh, as it resonates through you. And hopefully Tito Puente was an inspiration to you simply because your teacher calls you that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you, I I hope that you still love being a percussion player because my father's, uh, I guess his goal in life was really to inspire the next generation which is what I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take what his dream was, was to inspire young Hispanic kids to play Latin music and be proud of who we are, be proud of our culture and be proud of the music that we play, especially percussion players. So kudos to you. And I, and I love the fact that, that you uh, 
decided i'm pretty sure you if i put a set of timbales or congas in front of you you're gonna play them (laughs) oh yeah absolutely and i i have a lot of instruments like my mom has like a bunch of congas bongos i have have cubic congas yeah and then i have and then she also has like um cowbells maraca yeah And then all over the place, I she even has some tabla. I got into some Indian music for a while. I have a marimba in my apartment that I play often. <laughs> so, yeah. The percussion instrument. So you are a percussionist. So it's very, very inspiring to others. I always, my father, I can quote him on this. And I always tell students or anytime I do a conservatory of music or a university or anything like that, surround yourself with creative people, thus you'll be creative. And I know that as a musician, you and I could probably sit all night and talk about drums and talk about percussion and talk about our favorite drummers and our favorite percussion players and favorite musicians. And that's a camaraderie that musicians have. And I encourage anybody that wants to get into music, surround yourself with other musicians and you guys will inspire off each other. And I love being around my musicians. I love being around people who are either singers, dancers, anything in the entertainment world that has to do with dancing or percussion playing. I just can sit there for hours and chat and then we can bounce ideas off each other and be inspired by each other, especially in the Hispanic world. I hang out with a lot of percussion players in the Hispanic world. Some are my mentors. Uh, Some are are young students who are really, really good. And I I love hearing what inspires them. And I know it always round, it always comes around to Tito Puente being that inspiration to everybody. So it's really my job to make sure that everybody gets it, keep, continues to be inspired by Puente and continues like yourself and, and keeps, um, keeps the name going and keeps the brand going and, and keeps his inspiration going. Whether you be, being an arrow rocket scientist, I think you said, <laughs> or whatever you might be doing in the future, you always are going to have Tito Puente music playing in the background while you're doing your yep. other <laughs> trait. I actually literally was doing that a few days ago. <laughs> and that right there is the most inspirational thing because um, you love your job even more by having that music behind you, that Hispanic, that Latino music uh, behind whatever you're doing. It always inspires you to do your job better. There you go. Yeah, definitely. It helps me focus, keeps me motivated. It's great. I love it. And also, when I when I do something good, I do a little dance with it too. Um, going going back to it, um, how was music always something that you wanted to do? Well, I I always loved music. I again, what what I uh, said before, I I loved pop music and rock music. I'm still very avid in the rock world and I love rock music musicians. I respect the rock world and the generation of from being born in the seventies and eighties, the musician, the, uh, the rock musician was just something instrumental for me. And I love that style of music. Uh, mambo music was not pushed on to me. My father did not teach me how to play the drums, trap kit, nor timbales. He actually encouraged me to go to school and learn. And he got one of the, one of the greatest, uh, drummers I learned from is no longer with us, but his name was Mr. Sam Ulano. And he was just an incredible, credible rudimentary player. So he played, um, trap kit, like a buddy rich style and, or like, you know, just standard rock drumming or jazz drumming. And I really honed in on that. And I went to school to learn how to read and write music. My father did not teach me how to read and write music. He says, you got to learn this on your own. You got to be inspired. You got to find the inspiration within yourself. And I did. And I'm so proud and glad that he pushed me to do that. 
push me to get my education. So anybody out there that thinks they're going to, you know, get, get by free or, or make it an easy task. No, because being a session musician or professional musician, you want to get hired you want to get work, definitely learn your craft, go into to any conservatory music or school university, or just take an online course, learn how to read and write music. It's very, very important. Uh, especially now, um, a lot of these new, musicians or new recording artists it's very easy to record in your house and then you're rolling the dice by you know getting your music out there and possibly maybe getting a hit however if you do that make sure you have something to fall back on and falling back on on having your instrument trumpet trombone any brass wind instrument percussion instrument piano bass uh string instrument always know your craft and know how to read and really master it the best you can so that way if you do not get that hit you got that job still as being a session musician or rec- or um working with any orchestra or band i meet so many people miguel and tanya that are young, inspiring musicians, trumpet players and horn players, they come to my concerts. They're like, wow, it's incredible hearing the music of your father and the arrangement and the sound. How can I work with you? I'm like, give me your number. I take their number. I use that number. And I have a list of musicians that I would like to use when I go into those cities. Anytime I travel around the world, I ask them to come to my concert. Please, you got a job. You got a job right there. You're working with Tito Puente. And I, and I transfer that to any other uh, recording artists that might go into that particular market or city. And that's just not just domestically, that's around the world. And I meet so many musicians and that's how you really get your network and your contacts in the music industry. I'm only giving this advice to musicians that really want to make this a professional uh, job in their lives. Uh, definitely network yourself into coming to concerts, supporting live music and meeting and greeting these other musicians. Trust me, I know so many horn players in New York, especially, uh, that, hey, man, I can't do this gig, man, but I got another kid that can substitute for me. Oh, how old is he? Well, he's 19. He just got out of high school, but he plays a trumpet, a mean trumpet. He's excellent. Bring him. And that's it. The kid got the job. So it's really, that's how I meet all my musicians and work with the the young musicians like that. So I wish I had that opportunity when I was growing up, but I kind of, push myself into working with a lot of different musicians that work with my father. And that's how I got into the whole Latin music world. And I'm, I'm glad that I did. And um, I have big shoes to fill, uh, but I know where I stand in the music industry at this point where I have to, in perpetuity, keep his music alive, inspire young musicians like yourselves, inspire the new generation. And I think that's my purpose at this point. I love the fact that I I was not pushed into the music. I had to learn on my own. So I encourage everybody to find your way and learn how to read and write music. It's important. Yeah. And the way that you're doing that, picking up young musicians, I mean, that that is encompassing that motive in the motivating the next generation. That's great. on the traditions of your father created with your own children? Very good question. My kids right now, um, 
my children, I kind of just inspire them in a way. I, 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 my father didn't push me to play percussion, as I said before. And uh, of course, my mother was just encouraging on having a relationship with my dad. And that's why she asked me to, to go on the road with him, just to be father-son uh, relationship to build that. And I'm glad that she pushed me to do that. However, with my kids, I, I, I try to spend as much time as I can with them simply because I perform so many days on the road as well. I do not work. I made it a point to not work as much as my father did simply because he did 300 shows a year and never home. Uh, I choose the latter, which is to make sure that I am scarcely or at least try to be uh, part of their lives as much as I can. Uh, and I encourage them to listen to Tito Puente music. I talk about myself every day <laughs> and I wear, you know, Tito Puente products and brands over our home and Grammys and records. And, you know, so they have that and, um, you know, whatever they're, they're, they're very young, they're 14 and 15 years old. But at that was really the time when I really, as I said before, too, I, I noticed how popular my parents were and, or my father was. And, and uh, that's what really gravitated me towards playing Afro-Cuban Latin music. And hopefully my son and my daughter will, and my kids will uh, eventually go to that. I see my grandkids really getting into music, but they're, you know, five and six years old, but they love to dance. And, and hopefully there's some talent in our family and we can continue the generation of Puente music for years to come. Wait a second, did I miss something? Tú eres abuelito? ¿Eres un abuelito? Yo soy abuelito, chica. Yo soy 50. Oh, my God. Father, yes, I am. <laughs> we have very small children and small grandchildren. And uh, my stepdaughter, is uh, she's 30, and she has two. And we have two other grown boys. And then we have the teenagers. So I have all generations, really. So one of them, one of them is going to take over this thing. <laughs> and so I have a plenty to go around, and hopefully one of them will take over in music. So the first time I met you, you did mention about a museum or something in New York? Yes, we are doing, I am part of a board of the, uh, an advisory board for the International Salsa Museum happening in Kingsbridge, New York, which is the Kingsbridge section of the Bronx, pardon me, the Bronx, New York. And uh, we are, we have, we just ascertained a grant from the city. They gave us a green light and we are going to hopefully be breaking ground real soon. This will be a museum uh, specifically for Latin culture and Latin music, where we will celebrate the, the accomplishments of Hispanics and in music, not only with just salsa music, with Fania, All-Stars, Tito Puente, Celia Cruz, Johnny Pacheco, all the great, great artists that are in our genre, Mark Anthony, you know, India, all of them. We will not only celebrate them, but we'll celebrate just Hispanics in music, Julio Iglesias, Gloria Stefan, all the pop artists, all the greats that came before us, um, those who are no longer with us, uh, really those those. Uh, roots of Afro-Cuban culture too. And the museum will not only consist of that, but it'll consist of dancing too. We'll have dance classes for mambo and salsa music. We also have music classes for to learn about Afro-Cuban music, piano, bass, conga, bongo. We'll have, um, of course, a library where we'll have a very much of, of uh, Hispanic cultured uh, literature where people can learn more about the roots of being uh, from the island of Cuba, Santo Domingo, of Puerto Rico, the Sur America, Central America, Colombia, Venezuela. We're going to celebrate all those cultures and learn a lot about those cultures and their styles of music. Well, we have Bomba Plena in Puerto Rico. We have Cumbia in, in Colombia. We have the Argentinian tango. We have so many different styles of music, merengue from the Dominican Republic. We have to 
add all that into the the umbrella of the International Salsa Museum. You guys can check it out, internationalsalsamuseum.org. You can see all the great progress that we're doing there. Not only am I on the advisory board, but we also have Omar Padillo, uh, the state of Celia Cruz. Uh, we have uh, many, many uh, Oscar Hernandez from Spanish Harlem Orchestra, Jose Madera from the Tito Puente Orchestra. We have some great, great uh, uh, advocates for this uh, museum to come to fruition. We're looking at possibly breaking ground soon. And then the whole museum coming out in 2025 is really what we're shooting for. Uh, it's a very big undertaking. Um, the, the, one of the founders is Willie Rodriguez. He's my musical director. He's fantastic. Um, but definitely check it out. Internationalsalsamuseum.org for more information. It's, it's really going to be something special to bring salsa right to the home of where mambo was and Latin jazz and all that was created right there in New York city in the Bronx. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because a lot of people feel that salsa came from Puerto Rico and it actually was born in New York, you know, Cubans and the Puerto Ricans that decided to get together and make this fabulous music. Sure. Mambo has always been very close to my heart because of Antonio Banderas when he came out in the movie, <laughs> Mambo Kings. Oh my goodness. When I heard that man saying Mambo Kings, I was like, I just melted. <laughs> I was like, this man could sing. Yes, he can. And the, and Armando Sante played the timbales in the movie. He was very, very good. And uh, I'm glad that my father portrayed himself in that. Mm -hmm. Celia Cruz was in the movie. Jose Belto Canario. They represented really the, the, the cultura right there. Dominican, Cuban, and Puerto Rican all in the movie. And it really embodied the um, the and the soundtrack did fantastic too. Um, it was really really a, a movie that moved uh, and shaped the industry when it came to salsa and mambo music at that time. I think it was released in 1991, and my father's record, his hundredth LP, came out at the same time. Called, go figure, the Mambo King, and. Uh, uh, the, the movie did fantastic, and I'm glad that that movie inspired you and and many many millions of fans around the world. They still talk about it. I think I have it on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it on some cable network. Listening to it again, like it was a few months ago, really like caught me again in my youth when I was like, "Wow, this music is a huge is a part of me." I connected with that movie I connected with everyone that was there, and I felt like I wasn't alone in New York. Yeah, I was like, all these beautiful, wonderful people came from New York, all these talented people. I love music. I've always loved music. I always felt that music was a huge part of my soul. And um, I couldn't be a musician, sadly. I always loved drums, you know, and I loved dancing. But sadly, I couldn't be a musician or a dancer. But I instilled that in my children. And my, my daughter, I took her to ballroom dancing classes. And my son got into percussion. So... You see, at least they 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 picked up after my love for that. That's fantastic, and you see, Tanya, that that's again inspiration. You uh, are inspired by Celia Cruz and Tito Puente and the dancing of salsa, and you inspire your children like that. And that's really the the generational and perpetuity to keep that going. And that what you guys are doing here in your podcast and interviewing uh, uh, musicians like myself—that's what keeps it going. Because a young kid is listening right now, and hopefully, all three of us are inspiring that person. Yes. What things are uniquely you that you think your father might be surprised by? <laughs> well, he was always, I used to have long hair. And <laughs> I looked like the guy from Stranger Things. 
that. So um, to me, you know, he would always say, "Cut your hair and all that." He would be surprised. I still love rock music. I I, I, I love going to concerts and being around, you know, the metalheads and and slam dancing and all that. I still love that, even into my fifties now. And um, so that's something he would be surprised at. And I think the other thing would be how I embrace being a parent. Um, I don't think my father ever looked at me, you know, we always look for that admiration from our parents or that accolade from our parents, which is, well, I don't see you, you know, you shouldn't have kids because you don't know how to be a parent. I mean, there's no handbook for that. So as I grow, I kind of embrace being that, being that parent and loving being around my kids and my family. And, and uh, it's something that I never pictured me doing as well, because when I was growing up and being, uh, you know, throughout my, my career uh, throughout the nineties, I was on the road too and hotel rooms and parties and all that. And I never pictured myself with children or any of that. And now fast forward, you know, 20 plus years. And I'm like, wait a minute. I said I would never do this and now I'm doing it. So I guess we all have that, you know, I guess question of what's the meaning of life. And I think as I, as I go get older now, I embrace who I am. And I think that meaning was to do the things your parents didn't think that you could do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at because my father didn't think I could be do what I'm doing now and become successful. Um, and I am, and I feel that that was the catalyst of the challenge. I guess at that time I was always scratching my head and saying, my parents will never accept me for what I do or who I'm going to be. And now I embrace that. And I said, I hope he's proud. And I believe that he is. And that's how I, I kind of look at it now, even though he's no longer with us. But he would be surprised on how I ended up, you know, uh, still talking about him because my father had a very big <laughs> show. So all three of us right now and everybody listening, we're still talking about Tito Puente. And I don't mind it because he named me after him. And I guess it was a reason. I guess there must have been some sort of reason in 1971 on June 2nd. He said, <laughs> let me name my son after me. And he didn't push me to do the music, but I guess uh, he named me after him for some purpose, and that's to keep his music alive. Yeah, his legacy. And there you go. Amazing. And so you've traveled and performed in so many amazing venues around the world and with huge artists. I, I just wanted to know, um, I know this might be like picking between your favorite children, but what was your favorite performance of all time? <laughs> or what's a place that you like going back to? yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna st- stick with the safety one. <laughs> one, and I guess that would be the one where I performed with my father. In it was in Toronto, Canada. Must have been about maybe twenty plus thousand people in a. I think it was the Sky Dome Arena or something like that. And I was there with La India, Tito Puente, Celia Cruz, and sharing the stage with those three artists. Celia being my my one of my godparents, you know, she's my godmother when I was born, my father being there, and of course my sister in music, which is La India. Uh, it was so nice to be on that stage with them. And that's right when I first started my career. Um, and I remade one of my father's classic tunes called Oye Como Va. And it became a very popular hit around the world. and went number one in like 17 different countries. And I did a dance version because in the 90s, it was all about house music and dance music. So I did a, I did a dance version. Go figure. I was into heavy metal and playing dance music. 
<laughs> so, um, but that was one of my special moments because I got to share the stage with them. And the finale, of course, was Oyukumawa. And we all came out and, and uh, did it all together. I have so many different memories of some of the world's most renowned Grammy Award winning artists perform on stage with them. Um, most of them I, I, I still keep in touch with. Sheila E., my sister in music, fantastic to share the stage with her. Um, there's just so many, you know, Santana, Ricky Martin, Gloria Stefan, Celia Cruz. I mean, they're, these are just icons and people that really uh, resonate with Latinos and Hispanic culture. But not only that, but I got to share it with American artists, too. Um, some of my idols, I think, are most memorable, too. Um, there are so many drummers. Of being on stage with Phil Collins was just an incredible treat for me. Never thought I would ever, you know, celebrate a, a something, but we did a beautiful thing in Miami, Florida, uh, back in 2017, and I finally got to meet him and share the stage with him. Um, there's just so many. I can, you know, wait for the book, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> I write them all down, though. I write them all down, and I remember them. But uh, you know, the ones with my father are the ones I remember the most, and I cherish the most. Yeah, and along the lines of the, uh, those amazing people, especially Phil Collins, since you mentioned that you loved him when you were younger, have you? Are you ever starstruck when you when you first meet these people? I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I start stuttering, and I try to keep on that level that my father did because it was every time I was around Tito Puente. See, now my father not only worked with some of the greatest musicians and and he, he but actors knew him presidents of the united states and other countries ambassadors knew tito puente so when they walked up to my father i was really starstruck when i saw them when you see you know the the leader of the free world um the per- per- perfect example bill clinton is a saxophone player when he- president my father did the inauguration at the white house was invited so we went to the white house and as soon as bill clinton walks up to tito puente and my dad's like hey look look who's here and he walks in and bill and of course his wife hillary uh, the first lady at the time and uh my dad my uh, bill clinton says hello mr puente and, and and my dad says hi i'm tito puente and bill says i know who you are tito <laughs> dad, that broke the ice right there. My dad was so wisecracking. And of course, he was older than Bill Clinton. He looked at Bill and he goes, Hey, after you're done with this job being president, I heard you play the saxophone. You can join my band. <laughs> the president of the United States. And it was so funny and, and so and just uh, alleviating and relieving to know that. People are human and all artists are human. And that being starstruck at, at being at a young age, now I just see people for who they are. They're human beings. And everybody, you know, has their days on and days off where they're just not in the mood to be talked to. And I, and I understand that because I, I go through it too. But um, to me, seeing um, some of the artists, I did get giddy and I acted like a fanboy. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm I'm like that more by seeing the rock gods, the Ozzy Osbourne, the Iron Maidens, you know, the the Bon Jovis. I, I get more giddy with them. Like, oh my god, I love you. Oh my god, you know. And they kind of look at me like, oh, you're Tito Puente Junior. Okay, yeah, we like you too. You know, <laughs> you'll never believe it because it was funny when I met Phil Collins. He was a very big Tito Puente fan. He still is. Oh. 
And wow. that's amazing about that. And and the Tommy Lees of Motley Crue and the and the the great rock drummers are all influenced in some sort of way by Tito Puente. And I would never believe that. So, you know, you scratch your head and you believe that some people never heard of you before. And then you meet them and they're like, We're fans of your father and you. We know who you are. And I I, I turn into, you know, fanboy dumbboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that I that I've always loved about percussion specifically is I feel like percussionists in general are very open to like genres from all around the world that we constantly look of like even for me I got really into uh, Indian music that I started looking there for some inspiration for some stuff that I was doing at the time um, and that's what I always loved about percussion you just always go all around the place so that's probably why they knew Tito Puente they were looking for inspiration within another genre. Absolutely. And in percussion world, we do know uh, international percussion players. We're very familiar with different sounds and rhythms uh, in, in the grasp of being a percussion player. You have to uh, embrace all styles and all rhythms, six, eight rhythms, three, two clave, two, three clave, four, four time, two, four time as I'm um, Kind of going back and forth with you, Miguel. But, you know, those are the timings that we want to learn and intricate and put into our styles of music. So when you hear a cowbell in a rock song, it's like, hey, he must be he must like Tito Puente if he's got a cowbell in there. Vice <laughs> versa, when you hear timbales in a rock song or you hear someone like Gloria Stefan where they're meshing pop music and rock music and Latin music all together, it really embraces everybody and everybody really loves that. You can't say that about um, you know, a violin player or a horn player or, or even a singer. You'd be like, hey, you heard of Tito Puente? No, never heard of the guy. But you see <laughs> player anywhere around the world, they're going to be like, of course, we know – is so yeah that 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 statement uh resonates throughout the whole percussion industry and the world for sure so i gotta ask you this question are you gonna let your hair grow again and get into a rock band no in your life my kids will disown me and then my and that'll be the end of it i cannot grow my hair past x amount of the army here vamos a hablar de comida Porque ya tú sabes, la comida es lo todo de todo. We love music, pero sin comida no hay música. So what is your favorite Latin dish? Okay, here we go. So I got to a I got to a quarrel, I'll say that, or <laughs> debate with my wife about this. And um, we we wanted to know what was the signature gist of Puerto Rico. Yo soy Boricua. I'm Puerto Rican by descent, uh, born and raised in New York. So I love all types of music. I'm, I think I was Italian in my past life because I love <laughs> Italian food. And, of course, I love Chinese food, too, as well. However, being Hispanic and Puerto Rican, I, of course, my favorite dish is arroz con habichuela con chuleta. Ese mi favorito con arroz blanco. Now, she says the Puerto Rican dish is usually arroz con gandule. Now, mm. now, I went on TikTok and tried to do a debate about that. And half the people, it's like 50-50. So I'm not too sure. But I will truly say for me my, and my experiences of eating Hispanic food, my rice and beans are always going to be arroz con habichuela for life. <laughs> y chuleta. Y chuleta, y quiere chuleta frita, la quiere alcapuria también, entramos un bacalito también. So this is very greasy Hispanic food, not good for you, but it tastes so good if you put love, sazón, goya in it, and we're going to eat it all day long. <laughs> ah, rico, rico. <laughs> 
So you came into the music industry with a name recognized worldwide with Tito Puente. But Latin jazz in the grand scheme of everything is still kind of a niche genre within the pop world, at least. Especially now with uh, in, in pop music, uh, reggaeton is becoming huge, like huge, huge. So I wanted to know, how is it like being a Latino musician in the U.S. within Latin jazz? And what is your opinion of reggaeton really entering the mainstream right now? With Latin jazz, um, the popularity resonates internationally. There are many, many Latin jazz festivals around the world, especially overseas, Germany, Finland, Norway. Uh, There's huge festivals for jazz and Latin jazz music. Eddie Palmieri being one of the pioneers of this music, he is performing around the world. And, uh, and, And yes, in the United States, it has become a little more difficult to go to a Latin jazz festival. We have to connect with jazz festivals or we have to get rid of the word Latin and just leave our jazz roots in there in order to get into these festivals. However, I do see uh, uh, an explosion in the reggaeton world where it is popular. It is popularized here in the United States and in the, you know, South America and Central America and of course the Caribbean. Um, Bad Bunny is one of the icons and legends right now. I wouldn't call him a legend just yet, but I would call him a definite icon in the music world where he is bridging you know, the younger generation to, to the present. And I love that, that he's um, connecting people of all genres and all creeds, colors, and races together. Something in the aspect of what Tito Puente did many years ago. So right now, Bad Bunny is the ambassador of Latin music. And I appreciate it because he always mentions Tito Puente in his raps. So <laughs> you can listen to half his albums and he always mentions Tito Puente, Celia Cruz. And then I appreciate that because He's respecting what came before him, and he knows why he's where he's at is because of those pioneers. Those pioneers, Celia Puente, Fania All-Stars, Johnny Pacheco, Palmieri, they opened up the doors for, for Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, India, Bad Bunnies, Daddy Yankees, all of them. They These are the pioneers, and they still show that respect to today, and they pass that on to the new generation of trap music, of reggaeton, of of the new style of, of performing. Evie Queen, another beautiful icon, and she's really uh, a staple in the reggaeton world and really opens up people's uh, eyes and ears to that music because she has respect for El Gran Combo de Puerto Rico. Uh, of course, uh, Ruben Blades, all those great artists. Hiberto Santa Rosa, she works with them. And that's good. It's good to see that the reggaetoneros of today still have that respect and show love to the pioneers of this genre of Latin music. And then were there any like struggles and obstacles that came when you were trying to to get into the music industry? Well, for one, I have to be better than others simply because of my name. People expect Tito Puente Jr. to be, uh, you know, just as good or better than his father. However, I've embraced who I am. Uh, My dad used to hate that word nepotism. I'm not Enrique Iglesia. There's a perfect example. (laughs) Enrique Iglesia is, you know, a beautiful pop star. His father, of course, crooner, you know, worldwide. Um, What I do is I embrace the compositions and arrangements of Tito Puente, present them in the most powerful way for the new generation of young Latin musicians to be inspired by his music. And when you come to my concert, yes, I do look like him. I don't have the white hair yet. (laughs) 
But when you do come to my concert, I want you to come, and most people do come, for the music and to dance. They're not coming to see us uh, an amazing uh, timbal player or anything like that. I, I don't want you to come to my concert and expect that and then be disappointed when you don't see that. I want you to embrace the music. And I think that's what people come to the shows for and celebrate his life, his legacy. In every concert, I tribute my father. I tribute the, 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 the point they named, the Hispanic roots of the culture of Afro-Cuban music. That's what people call it today. They call it salsa. It's not called salsa. The name of this music is Afro-Cubano music. It's Son Montuno, Rumba, Cha Cha Cha, Guanguanco. And, uh, and those styles were all meshed together into that word salsa through Mr. Johnny Pacheco and the Fania All Stars in the 70s. But my dad was doing it back in the 40s and 50s, where people were coming out to dance and bring cultures and creeds and people together. And when you come to a Tito Boy Junior concert, that's what I want to reminisce and try to engage the people to remember. I'm trying to do the music of the 1950s and in bring it to a new generation where we have all kinds of creeds, colors, and races, and uh, sexual orientations, whatever have you, come to my show and then enjoy the music of what was left by one of the pioneers of this genre. Um, you can see Tito Puente, and you want to see the amazing, amazing musicianship, just Google Tito Puente, and you can see that wow, amazingness. And I think we can only see certain celebrities throughout our lifetimes, maybe once in a lifetime. There will be only one Elvis. There'll be only one Michael Jackson. There'll be only one Celia Cruz and there'll only be one Tito Puente. I don't think anybody can replicate or replace him. You can replicate him and I can look like him, but I can't replace the, what he's left, his ingenuity, his genius and the, the staple of, and he is the gold standard of, timbale playing and percussion playing you can't get better than and higher than that you can have guys that play really fast and have a certain style but they don't have that charisma talent skill and of course that puente persona and puente persona was watching an elderly man whether he's young or old look at all the videos but with white hair playing like he was 15 years old literally impossible to find that and it's very very hard you can look at all the old older cats they're with, with respect to them, but they, they don't have the speed, agility, and talent musicianship of Puente. And that's why he will always be considered the king of Latin music, the king of Latin percussion, El Rey de los Timbales. Um, but I embrace who I am, and I'm glad that people come to my shows. And, and uh, trust me, I get negative uh, comments all the time on all my social media platforms and you're not him and you can never replace him. And I, I tell everybody, and I always respond to them and I tell them I'm not trying to replace him. I'm just trying to celebrate his music and bring it to the new generation because there is somebody out there, a young kid who it can have that charisma like Puente and be inspired by him. I see tons of drummers on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok, especially that are phenomenal, phenomenal players. And they're honing in on their style and their skill. And I hope that they are inspired, especially by Puente and become the next Tito Puente for a new generation. Yeah. And I, I, I want to make sure the audience of this podcast doesn't get the wrong idea. You are an incredible musician in your own right. I mean, I've seen a lot of your, like I've seen some of your videos on Instagram and then I've heard the King and I, your most recent album, you are an absolutely amazing musician and timbale player. 
So I don't, I don't want to put down your skills or anything. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, uh, I, I, I always feel like I'm not up to par. I have so much more to learn. And that's really the key about being a good musician. You always can learn more. You can always hone in on your skills and practice more and play more. And I get that from my mentors. I love Tito Rodriguez Jr., Machito Jr. These are my mentors. These are guys that work with, with my father and all the musicians that work with my father's orchestra. They mentor me and they're like, yo, you're doing well, kid. And when I get that admiration from them, it makes me feel like I'm getting it from my father. Like, man, you're you're getting better. Check out my videos from you know, 1993, me playing till today, it's like, wow, he's really gotten better. So I always look at the growth of any musician. If that growth is, is, is working hard and honing in on your skill and getting your own style, then kudos to you. You're doing the right thing. And eventually you will achieve the status that you're looking for, whether it be working musician or a celebrity musician like a Sheila E, you know, or Peter Scavito or some of these great conga players, Giovanni Hidalgo, these pioneers, these, these incredible musicians. I always achieve to be the best that I can be. I don't think I'll ever get to the point of where Puente can be at, but if I can get to where um, I get love and admiration from, from fans like yourself listening to the album, then that's good enough for me. Where can people buy your music and where are your perf live performances? And tell us about your social media. I'm on Facebook, uh, at Tito Puente Jr. on Instagram, uh, at Tito Puente Jr. on Twitter. And you go to TikTok, it's Tito Puente Jr. 1. Um, I'm just learning TikTok. My kids are getting me into it. Um, but I'm so glad that everybody's following me on social media. I post a lot of uh, my engagements or my concerts. Please follow me on my social media pages. You can see any shows that I'm doing, New York, West Coast, Texas, Chicago, all around domestically. We are going international um, as well. Uh, so I'm very, very grateful to all the fans that come on out. Look out for the new documentary series. You can go to thetitopuenteproject.org and you can see the progress of the new documentary series on Tito Puente, his life story. And uh, definitely pick up the brand new album. It's called The King and I. It's five decades of my father's arrangements. I recorded with some of the greatest um, Grammy Award winning uh, percussion and singers on my album. Sheila E., Pete Escovito, Domingo Quinones, Tony Vega, uh, Frankie Negron, Jose Beto Canario, um, uh, Ronnie Puente, uh, Humberto Ramirez, Marlo Rosado, uh, Yolanda Duque. I got so many great, great, beautiful uh, amazing singers. It's 11 cuts and you can get it on Tito Puente Jr. My Shopify.com. I also got some hot sauce <laughs> and you can get a, like a bun salsa bundle pack. So salsa for, to listen to is salsa pa comer. <laughs> you put it on your, put it on your rice and beans. You get it at Tito Puente Jr. My Shopify.com. I got four brand new hot sauces, guava, uh, habanero pepper, uh, uh, maple mango. Uh, they're really, really good. Enjoy them. Listen to the music and eat some rice and beans with some Tito Puente Jr. Salsa. <laughs> okay, out of all your sauces, which one goes great with the rice and beans? And the, chuleta? the tamarindo works really well with that. And uh, uh, also the, the guava and Carolina Reaper. Now, these are picantes. They're, they're really hot. So you got to be into hot sauce to really enjoy them. But um, they do come in a bundle pack. You get four of them. And uh, I'm going to come out with some new ones uh, coming in the fall now. I'm thinking about maybe doing a pumpkin flavor, maybe for Halloween. Oh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. I'm going to that, that one. I love, I love that bundle, the salsa para escuchar y también para comer. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's such a 
Hispanic thing too. It's just so perfect. We'll send some to you guys and you guys can uh, share it with everybody and tell them all about it. What better place to send it to rice and beans, right? Why not? <laughs> oh, I, I have some, some rapid fire questions for you. So are you ready? All right, here we go. <laughs> all right. So what's your favorite album of all time in the Latin jazz genre? Um, I'm going to say Dance Mania, Tito Puente, 1957. All right. Wow. I like that you had the year, too. <laughs> oh, favorite album of all time that's not in the Latin jazz genre? Woo! Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's your favorite meal to eat before a show? Oh, well, you guys hit it. Rice and beans, of course. Arroco Avichuela. Um, what's the favorite i guess we already talked about this but what's your favorite performance you've ever given besides the one that you did with your with your dad um i'm gonna say this one right here with you guys how's that oh thank you (laughs) oh come on (laughs) (laughs) and what's this is gonna be really difficult but what's one or maybe let's go with two words that you can use to describe your career wow innovative and grateful, I guess, would be those two. Grateful. Yeah, I like that well. Innovative, yeah. And uh, what's a Latin artist that we need to know about it right now? Ooh, wow. So many. Um, I work with a wonderful singer. Her name is Melina Almodovar. They call her La Muñeca de la Salsa. She's a salsa singer, and she travels around the world with me, and we celebrate Celia Cruz and Tito Puente. So check her out, Melina Almodovar. You're going to love her. And she's all over my social media, so you'll find her very easily. That's perfect. Thank you. I got one for you. Mambo or cha-cha-cha? Ooh, I'm going to say mambo. Okay. <laughs> Um, although I like to dance cha-cha-cha a little bit, and I love the dancers for cha-cha, but Mambo's swinging. I love swinging Mambo. Great. I love Mambo, too. <laughs> so I'm definitely ready to play some music. <laughs> so I want to thank you so much for your time and for joining us on the show today. Uh, we can't wait to catch a performance and pick up your newest album, The King and I. Make sure that everyone, make sure you listen to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of More Than Rice and Beans. We hope you enjoyed this incredible music legend as much as we did. And if you haven't done so, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And if you love live music and are in the New York area, sign up for Coqui the Chef's A Taste of Spain class. Not only will you learn how to make authentic Spanish paella and be treated to tapas, cava, and sangria, but you also enjoy a live flamenco performance. Uh, you can book your ticket at coquithechef.com or by following the link in the show notes. We'll see you here back next time on More Than Mice and Beans. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> Say goodbye, Tito. Muchas gracias, mi gente. <laughs> <laughs> More Than Mice and Beans. Wepa. Wepa.